ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد then to continue with al-aqida tahawiya the creed compiled by Imam Abu Ja'far al-Tahawi, rahimahullah, with the explanation of Sheikh Saleh ibn Abdullah al-Fawzan, hafizahullah. Then we reached point number 189, where al-Tahawi, rahimahullah, says, Wallahu ta'ala yastajibu da'awat. And Allah, the Most High, responds to supplications and fulfills needs. And Allah, the Most High, responds to to du'as, supplications. And He fulfills needs. Shaykh al-Fawzan, hafizullah, says in his, in his explanation, these are from the attributes of Allah, the mighty and majestic, that he answers those who call upon him. He, the one free of all imperfections, said, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاءِ إِذَا دَعَانِ Surah Al-Baqarah, the second surah, ayah 186. With the explanation, And if my servants ask you about me, then say, I am near. I respond to the call of the one who supplicates to me. Then Shaykh al-Fawzan said, And Allah the Mighty and Majestic commanded that dua, supplication, be made to him. So he said, Ud'uni astajib lakum إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ Surah Ghafir, the 40th Surah, Ayah 60, with the explanation, Call upon me, and I will answer you. Those who disdain, those who are too proud and refuse, those who disdain to worship me, will enter the hellfire in humiliation. He said, and he, the one free of all imperfections, said, The ayah from Surah An-Naml, the 27th Surah, Ayah 62, with the explanation, or the one who responds to the one who is in dire need 
when he calls upon him and he removes evil he removes the harm and he makes you inheritors upon the earth or he makes you successors upon the earth then Sheikh Al-Fawzan said <clears throat> along with the other ayahs which contain a command to make dua which contain a command to make supplication and that supplication will be answered and this is from his karam his munificence and his jude, his generosity and his ihsan, his beneficence. That he commands his servants to make supplication, make dua to him so that then he should respond to them. So that then he should respond to them. Along with the fact that he has no need of them at all. But rather, it is because of his knowledge, I mean the fact that Allah commands them to make dua to him. Then he has no need of them whatsoever. But rather, it is because of his knowledge, he the perfect and most high, his knowledge of their need. Therefore, for this reason, he commanded them to make dua to him, to make supplication to him. And in the hadith, it is stated, Man la yas'alullaha yaghdabu alayhi Whoever does not ask of Allah, then Allah becomes angry with him. They mention in a footnote this hadith being reported by Ahmad and at Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah and Al-Hakim who declared it authentic and Al-Dhahabi agreed. And as for Shaykh Al-Albani, then he declared this hadith to be hasan, to be good. And he also declared it so in As-Sahihah under hadith number 2654. And it's a hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. And as an extra point here, forgive me if I bring in too many extra points here, but there's some some very important points here that may need stressing with extra points. So when Shaykh al-Albani mentions this hadith in As-Sahihah, Or rather, we'll mention after the next point, inshallah. So, the hadith, Man la yas'alullaha yaghdabu alayhi. Whoever does not ask of Allah, then Allah becomes angry with him. Or I'll mention it now, inshallah. Then, Shaykh al Albani mentioned a point of benefit connected to this matter. When he mentioned this hadith, he said, In a sahihah, the reference that we mentioned, hadith under hadith 2654, Shaykh al-Albani said, Rahimahullah, and some of the ignorant Sufis are inattentive 
or pretend to be ignorant of the like of these hadith. In a hadith where there's a command with regard to making dua or the like of this hadith, that whoever does not ask of Allah, Allah becomes angry with him. So Shaykh Albani said, some of the ignorant Sufis are heedless or pretend to be ignorant of the like of these. And they claim that making dua to Allah is is to have bad manners with Allah. I say making dua to Allah is, is having bad manners. And they are influenced in that with a narration which is from Banu Israel. It's not a confirmed narration. It's something from Banu Israel, from the Jews or Christians. The saying, "Ilmuhu bihali yughni an su'alihi." This saying, which they quote, the Sufis quote, and they got it from somewhere from Banu Israel, that they say that Allah's the fact that Allah knows about my condition means that there is no need for me to ask of Him. This is what some of the Sufis say, and they quote this this narration, which is from just it's not a hadith; it's a, some narration from Banu Israel. They say, the fact that Allah has knowledge of my condition means I don't need to ask him for anything. So Shaykh al-Albani said, so they are ignorant of the fact that the servant making dua to his Lord, the Most High, is not a case of informing him of his need. He, the perfect and Most High. I mean, what they're trying to say is that Allah already knows your need. You don't need to tell Allah your need and ask Him for things. He already knows your condition. He already knows what you need, so there's no need to make dua to Him. So Shaykh al-Bani is saying, obviously, this had the like of this hadith is a rejection of that. Then Shaykh al-Bani quoted the, the ayah. يَعْلَمُ السِّرَّ وَأَخْفَى سُرَطَاهَا The 20th surah, ayah 7. That He, Allah, knows that which is secret and even more hidden. Then Shaykh Albani said, so when a person makes du'a, in other words, when a person makes du'a, it's not a case he's informing Allah of what he needs and telling him Allah something that is not known already to him. He said, rather it is a case of the servant showing his servitude, showing his ubudiyya, making clear his servitude, and showing his need of him, and showing his own poverty. That's the end of the quote from Shaykh al-Albani. In other words, when a person makes dua to Allah, that's what he's doing. He's not t- it's not a case, that he's, as the Sufis try and claim, Allah already knows what, you, what you, your condition is, what you need. So why, you, why do you need to make dua? No, this, you're making dua is showing that, to, showing that you are a slave to Allah, showing your servitude to Him, making clear your need and your poverty. Then Shaykh al-Fawzan, back to the explanation, Shaykh al-Fawzan, Hafidhullah, he said, Ad-du'a, supplication, is the greatest of the types of worship, as shown by his saying, alayhi salatu wassalam, Ad-du'a'u huwa al-ibadah. Supplication, du'a, is worship. The hadith, as I mentioned, the footnote reported by Abu Dawood and at Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah, 
And that Tirmidhi declared it Hasan Sahih, Hasan Sahih, good, authentic. And it's from a hadith of An Nu'man ibn Bashir radiallahu anhumah, declared Sahih, authentic by Shaykh al Albani. And the end of the, the hadith actually continues that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he said this, supplication is worship. He recited, at the same time, he recited the ayah that came before. The ayah from Surah An-Naml, 27th Surah, Ayah 62. Or rather, the ayah from Surah Ghafir. So the 40th, sorry about that. The 40th Surah, Surah Ghafir, Ayah 60. وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمُ ادْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ With the explanation, And your Lord said, Call upon me, I will answer you. Those who disdain to worship me will enter hellfire in humiliation. That the Prophet ﷺ recited the ayah when he said this hadith. Then Shaykh Al-Fawzan continued, And just as he has commanded that supplication, dua, should be made to him, he has likewise forbidden that dua, supplication, should be made to anyone else besides him. And that others should be associated with him. In du'a, in supplication. So he said, وَأَنَّ الْمَسَاجِدَ لِلَّهِ فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا Surah Al-Jinn, the 72nd Surah, Ayah 18, with the explanation, and the places of prayer are for Allah. So do not call upon anyone along with Allah. And Shaykh Al-Fawzan quotes a second ayah. قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَدْعُوا رَبِّي وَلَا أُشْرِكُ بِهِ أَحَدًا Surah Al-Jinn, the 72nd surah again, ayah 20. With the explanation, say, I only call upon my Lord and I do not associate anyone along with him. And Shaykh Al-Fawzan quotes a third ayah. وَمَنْ يَدْعُ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَاهًا آخَرَ لَا بُرْهَانَ لَهُ بِهِ فَإِنَّمَا حِسَابُهُ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِ إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِحُ الْكَافِرُونَ Surah Al-Mu'minun, the 23rd Surah, Ayah 117. With the explanation, And whoever calls upon another object of worship besides Allah, and he will have no proof for that, then his reckoning will be with his Lord. Indeed, the unbelievers will not succeed. Then Shaykh al-Fawzan said, So therefore it is not permissible to make dua, supplication, to anyone besides Allah. And whoever makes dua, supplication, to other than Allah, 
then he is a mushrik. He's a person of shirk, who's committed shirk. Whether the one he calls upon is an angel or a prophet or a wali, a righteous servant of Allah, then still he has committed shirk, which is major shirk, a shirk al-akbar. He's committed major shirk, the shirk which takes, in other words, the shirk which takes a person out of Islam. And Shaykh al-Fawzan quotes two ayahs. وَمَنْ أَضَلُّ مِمَّنْ يَدْعُوا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ مَنْ لَا يَسْتَجِيبُ لَهُ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ وَهُمْ عَنْ دُعَائِهِمْ غَافِلُونَ Surah Al-Ahqaf, Surah Al-Ahqaf, the 46th Surah, Ayah 5, with the explanation, and who is further astray, meaning no one is further astray, than one who calls upon those besides Allah, those who cannot respond to him, those who cannot answer him, not even until the day of resurrection. And they are totally heedless of their supplicating to them. And the Shaykh al-Fawzan quotes the next ayah, he quotes, إِن تَدْعُوهُمْ لَا يَسْمَعُوا دُعَاءَكُمْ وَلَوْ سَمِعُوا مَا اسْتَجَابُوا لَكُمْ وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يَكْفُرُونَ بِشِرْكِكُمْ Surah Fatir, the 35th Surah, Ayah 14, with the explanation. If you call upon them, if you make dua to them, if you call upon them, they will not hear your supplication. And even if they heard they could not answer you. And on the day of resurrection, they will reject your shirk. Shaykh al-Rawzan said, so he called it shirk. In other words, this dua made to other than Allah, Allah called it, in this ayah, Allah called it shirk. And he said, quoting two more ayahs together, he said, and he the perfect said, Call upon those they claim besides Allah. They do not possess an atom's weight of anything in the heavens or in the earth. And they have no share in possessing anything. And nor does he, nor does Allah have any helper at all from them. And intercession will not benefit with him except for those he has granted permission regarding. In other words, the, the ayah, as some of the people of Tafsir mentioned, the first ayah, it negates that anyone besides Allah possesses and owns anything that they can control in, this, in the creation at all. They don't possess anything at all. Secondly, they don't even have a share of it. And thirdly, 
that they, there's none whatsoever that is a helper to Allah in anything. Then Shaykh al-Fawzan said, Hafizullah, so dua, supplication, may not be made except to Allah. So no one can be called upon from the living or from the dead. No matter who the one who is called upon is. It doesn't matter who the one that they're making dua to, who it is. It's not permissible. Then Shaykh Fawzan makes a very important point and says, and dua, supplication, is of two types. The first is dua ibadah the first type of dua. As we said, this is an important point, it's a crucial point. Not to say the other points are not, but this is especially a crucial point. He said, dua is of two types. The first is dua ibadah supplication, calling upon him by performing an act of worship. And it is to praise Allah, the mighty and majestic, with regard to his names and his attributes and his actions. So the person who does tasbih, the person who says subhanallah, declares Allah free of all imperfections. And the person who does takbir, says Allahu Akbar, declares Allah greater than everything. And the person who does tahmeed, the person who praises Allah, declares all praises for Allah, and repeats words of praise upon him, then he has called upon him with the dua that is ibadah, dua u ibadah. This is the first time. So anyone who says subhanallah, anyone who says alhamdulillah, anyone who says Allahu Akbar, they have performed dua, dua of worship. Dua which is an act of worship. Dua by performing an act of worship. Then Shaykh Fawzan said, the second, the second form, the second type of dua is the well-known type in other words. He said, the second type is dua al-mas'ala. The dua supplication of making a request. And that is to request your needs from Allah, the mighty and majestic. And both of them are included within Surah Al-Fatiha. So its first half, first half of Surah Al-Fatiha, is dua ibadah, is this dua of worship, words of worship. Up until his saying, Iyaka na'bud, halfway through the Surah, Iyaka na'bud, you alone do we worship. Up to that point, it's words of praise of Allah, which are is dua or ibadah, worshiping Allah by acts or words of worship. He said, and the last part of the surah is dua or mas'ala, is the dua supplication, dua of request. In the rest of the surah, the servant is asking Allah, wa nasta'in, and you, your aid alone do we seek. So the rest of the surah, the servant is seeking from Allah, making request. And he said, 
And the scholars say the dua by performing an act of worship, the first type, dua by performing an act of worship, it necessitates the second type, dua of making a request. And the dua of making a request includes the dua of which is worship, dua of an act of worship. And just to add some points that may or may not clarify this slightly further, insha'Allah. Then, <clears throat> then Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthimeen, rahimahullah, he said in his explanation of the three principles, Thalathat al-Usul, he said, obviously as for the second type of dua, dua al-mas'ala, then that's the well-known type. That a person makes a request to Allah. Asks Allah that Allah grants him paradise, or asks Allah that he cures him, or so on. This is the second type. Dua to Allah by making request to Allah. So the one that's not so well known is the first type. Dua, which is involved in act of worship. You perform an act of worship, that includes in it a request. Automatically there is a request in you performing act of worship. So Shaykh Ibn Thimeen, rahimahullah, he said, as, commenting upon the first type, as for dua ibadah as for the dua, which is, involved in an act of worship, then it means that the servant worships him, seeking his reward and fearing his punishment. In other words, any act of worship that you perform, the prayer, whether it be the prayer, whether it be the zakat, whether it be the hajj, whatever it is, it includes, even though it's a, it's a body, it can be a bodily act of worship, it includes within it, that even if you don't put it up on your tongue directly, it includes within it that you're seeking from Allah something. You're seeking from Him reward. You're seeking from Him that He should take you closer to His paradise. You're seeking from Him by that act of worship, by that hajj, by that zakat that you're giving, by that prayer that you're praying, you're seeking within it that He should take you further away from the fire and forgive you and so on. So it includes, the very fact that you're performing that worship includes a request within it. That is the first type of dua, dua ibadah, an act of worship which automatically has along with it a request. On the same point, the explainer of Kitab Tawheed, in the famous explanation, Fatul Majid, he said, As for what has preceded, this regard to chapter 13 of Kitab al-Tawheed, he mentions, as for what has preceded from the speech of Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah meaning, and he was followed by the great scholar Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahumallahu ta'ala, with regard to the fact that dua is of two types. The dua of a request and the dua of an act of worship. And the fact that each of them necessitates the other and includes the other then this is by consideration of the fact that when a person remembers Allah and when a person recites the Quran and when a person prays then and he said, and also a person who performs a sacrifice, and so on. 
then he is seeking something in meaning. By performing the act of worship, even if he doesn't make a request upon his tongue, he is automatically seeking something. So he enters within one who is what is described as du'a, making a request. And also, Allah the Most High has legislated within the prayer, within the legislated prayer, du'a u mas'ala, supplications of request. Even in the obligatory prayer, which is a du'a of ibadah, the first type of du'a, the prayer itself, the salat, is the first type of du'a. You're doing a prayer for Allah's sake, seeking Allah's reward, fearing His punishment. And this, obviously this point is something else. This is contrary to what the Sufis say. The Sufis who say that we perform acts of worship not seeking anything and not fearing anything. We do it purely for love of Allah. That's what they say. This is the saying of the Sufis. Rather, the position of the people of the Sunnah is that we perform an act of worship with three things, as we had before, with three things in mind. Performing the act of worship upon love of Allah and having hope and seeking reward of Allah and fearing Allah's punishment upon all of those three. Contrary to the Sufis. So the explainer said, so the obligatory prayer, it includes within it du'a, the dua of making request. It includes such du'as of requests that the prayer will not be correct without them. For example, what occurs in Surah Al-Fatiha and what is said between the two sajdas and in the tashahhud. In the in Surah Al-Fatiha, the second half, as we heard, is all a request to Allah. If you don't make that request, your prayer will not be correct. Likewise, between the two sajdas, it's legislated for you that you say, You make dua to Allah. Oh Allah, forgive me. Oh Allah, forgive me. If you don't do it, you've missed an obligation from your prayer. Likewise, in the tashahud, the request is made. If you miss it out, you've missed an obligation from the prayer. Then he said, And the, all of that is worship. Like the ruku and like the sajda. So consider this, and then the ignorance of those who are ignorant about tawheed will become clear to you. I mean, those who say that supplication is not worship, that's why we can make supplication to other than Allah. Indeed, supplication is worship. So then back to the, expl- back to the text. In other words, just to summarize, that as for the second type of dua, the dua of supplication, supplication that's well known. You make a request to Allah. The first type is that any act of worship which you perform for Allah, you're performing it with the intention of seeking something, seeking His reward and seeking to avoid His punishment. So it, it includes within it a dua, a request. Then Shaykh Fawzan, Hafizullah, he said, And Allah, the mighty and majestic, has promised those who call upon Him that he will respond to him. And someone may say, I have made dua, but I have not been answered. You can, you can hear this and bad people say this. I made dua, but I've not been answered. Shaykh Fawzan said, the response is to say, 
the preventing factor, I mean if your dua has not been answered, then the preventing factor is from you yourself. Dua supplication is a means, from the means. And the result will not be attained unless all the preventing factors are removed. So it may be that some preventing factor has prevented your dua from being answered. And then Shaykh Fawzan mentions a number of factors that could be preventing the answer to your dua. And it means if there is, if, there's a re- if it's not being answered, it's your fault. You're the one who is stopping it being answered by having with you a preventing factor. Then he gives these, some of these preventing factors. He says, either because you made dua with a heart that was inattentive and distracted. You weren't paying attention when you were making dua. The words, you're saying the words upon your tongue, but your heart was not attentive to what you were saying. With a heart that was distracted and inattentive. Then how can an inattentive and distracted heart be answered? As occurs in the hadith. So this is the first factor that Shaykh al-Fawzah mentioned, the first preventing factor that can prevent your dua being answered. As he said, as occurs in the hadith. And as for the hadith, and the Shaykh didn't mention it, but there is a hadith that can be mentioned. The hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, who said, Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ud'u Allah wa antum muqinuna bil ijabah. وَأَلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَسْتَجِيبُ دُعَاءً مِنْ قَلْبٍ غَافِرٍ لَاهٍ The hadith that Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Make dua to Allah whilst being certain of being answered and know that Allah does not respond to a supplication from a heart which is inattentive and distracted. The hadith reported by Tirmidhi and declared Hassan good by Shaykh al-Albani. Rahimahullah. And just as a, again a, a side point to the side point, then Al-Munawi said in explanation of this hadith, where it's mentioned, Ud'u Allah wa antum muqinuna bil ijaba, make dua to Allah and you are certain, with certainty of being answered. Al-Munawi said, meaning that you are upon a condition. You're, upon, you're in a state that means that your supplication deserves to be answered. That your intention is made pure. And that your heart is attentive. Your heart is paying attention. And that you are doing acts of obedience with your limbs and avoiding that which is forbidden, and avoiding slander, and you are inwardly attentive to the most merciful. So that's the first preventing factor that Shaykh Fawzah mentions, that a person makes dua and he's not even thinking about what he's saying. His heart is not attentive. Then he mentions the second factor, he said, or that you are eating that which is haram, you are devouring that which is forbidden and drinking that which is forbidden and wearing that which is forbidden. He, alayhi salatu wasalam, said 
with regard to the person, يُطِيلُ السَّفَرْ أَشْأَثَ أَغْبَرْ يَمُدُّ يَدَيْهِ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ يَا رَبْ يَا رَبْ يَا رَبْ وَمَطْعَمُهُ حَرَامٌ وَمَلْبَسُهُ حَرَامٌ وَغُذِيَ بِالْحَرَامٌ فَأَنَّا يُسْتَجَابُ لَهُ The hadith that Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said about that there would be a person who had been traveling for a long time with his hair disheveled and dusty. He raises up his hands to the heavens saying, O my Lord, O my Lord, O my Lord. And his food is haram, forbidden, forbidden things. And his clothing is forbidden. And he has been nourished with what is forbidden. How can he be answered? How can he be answered? In a footnote they mention the hadith reported by Muslim. It's from a hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu. And again, as a side point, in explanation of this, in Al-Mashkat, some of the explainers, he brings a quote from someone from before, in explanation of this hadith, saying that this refers to a man who's performing, who's performing hajj. I mean, he's been traveling for a long time, been traveling for a long time to go and perform hajj. And that he's therefore, his hair is disheveled and he's dusty because of that journey. He's on the journey performing hajj. And he said, and he's been striving, and therefore he's become uh, covered in dust, and his hair disheveled. And then, in that condition, with all that, he calls upon Allah. And that being a time when he's expected, that he should be responded to. However, because of the fact that he's wearing that which is forbidden, and so on. That's what prevents him. Then Shaykh Fawzan, Hafizullah, he mentions the third possible preventing cause, preventing factor, he said. Or that he is making du'a for something sinful. Or for the cutting of ties of kinship. So he is not answered. This is from one aspect. And then from a second aspect. I mean, that could be the first reason. If, if a person's apparently not being answered, it, because, it could be because of one of these three reasons. It, maybe he really not, is not being answered. And the reason is with himself. And it can be one of these three reasons here. And the Sheikh said, and then from a second aspect, that Allah the Mighty and Majestic, He knows best about whatever is most beneficial for you. He may give you the response sooner or he may delay it for you until later or he may avert for you an evil like it and you don't know. In other words, maybe you are, going, maybe you are being answered to. If you've got no preventing factor, maybe you are, you are being answered but you don't realize it. In one of these three ways, Maybe you're going to get it very soon that Allah will grant you that thing. Or later on at some time that you don't know when, Allah will grant it to you. Maybe at a time when you need it more. Or the third thing, that maybe you can't see any answer. But maybe there was some evil that was going to come and hit you that you didn't even know about. But because of your du'a for something, Allah stopped that evil from hitting you. You never even realized. 
And the Shaykh said, as occurs in the hadith, ما من رجل يَدْعُ اللَّهَ بِدَعْوَةٍ لَيْسَ فِيهَا إِثْمٌ وَلَا قَطِيعَةُ رَحِمٌ أَعْطَاهُ بِهَا إِحْدَى ثَلَاثٌ إِمَّا أَنْ يُعَجِّلَ دَعْوَتَهُ وَإِمَّا أَنْ يُؤَخِّرَ مَا وَإِمَّا أَنْ يُؤَخِّرَهَا لَهُ وَإِمَّا أَنْ يَصْرِفَ عَنْهُ مِنَ السُّوءِ مِثْلَهَا He said, as occurs in the hadith, there is not a man who makes supplication to Allah with a supplication which does not contain any sin nor any cutting off of ties of kinship except that he will give him <coughs> because of it one of three things either he will hasten to give him the response of his call of his supplication or he will delay it for him for later on or he will he will repel from him it's like from evil in a footnote they mention reported by Tirmidhi and it was this hadith is reported by Tirmidhi from a number of the companions in different narrations from a hadith of Jabir radiallahu an and a hadith of Abu Huraira and a hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu an all of the first two been declared Hassan good by Shaykh al-Albani and the last one been declared Sahih authentic by Shaykh al-Albani all with similar wording to this <coughs> Then Shaykh Fawzan said, The people of misguidance, they say, there is no need to make dua. Since if an affair has already been decreed to occur, then there's no need for supplication. I mean, if Allah has already decreed it's going to happen, they say, then there's no need to make dua for it. Since if a matter has already been decreed for you, then it will certainly come to you even if you don't make du'a. And if it has not been decreed for you and not ordained to occur, then even if you make du'a, it will not, or you will not attain it, and it will not be decreed. The Shaykh said, answering this argument they make, this is misguidance, and Allah's refuge is sought. And it is something contrary to the speech of Allah the Mighty and Majestic. In other words, it's contrary, it's contrary to the fact that Allah has commanded us to make du'a. And it's contrary to the fact that Allah has said that he will answer our du'a. So all of this, this argument runs contrary to that. Sheikh said, and the answer is, there is no contradiction between making du'a, making supplication, and between what has been decreed and ordained and preordained. No contradiction between du'a and pre-decree, al-qada wal qadr. He said, because the one who preordained and pre-decreed, he is the same one who commanded with du'a, who commanded with us make, that we make supplication. And supplication, du'a, is a means from the means. And the one who brings about the results is Allah, the mighty and majestic. And there are some things which have been decreed to occur based upon the means. If their means are present, then the results occur. And supplication is a means. If you remember, just a small example of that, 
when Sheikh Falah Ismail, Hafizullah, when he was here last time, he made an example of this. This saying that people, when they they don't use the means, like of the Sufis, they don't apply the means correctly. And they say, I don't use the means. I just reply, rely upon Allah to give me whatever I want. And he gave the example of a person who wants a child. He wants to have a child, and he doesn't get married. He doesn't have a, a wife. He says, Allah, if Allah wishes, he'll, he'll provide a child for me. You know, out of where, out of thin air. That no, you, you get you go through the means that are necessary, and then if Allah decrees, you get the child. If Allah decrees, you won't. But first, you apply the means. And then, just and finally, that's the end of where Sheikh Fawzan explains. Just one final point, which I didn't read as well, with regard to the hadith. That whoever does not ask of Allah, then Allah becomes angry with him. As we heard the hadith reported by Ahmad and Tirmidhi, declared Hassan good by Shaykh al-Albani. Then the explainer of Tirmidhi, al-Mubarak Fori, he mentioned in explanation of this, he said, How fine is the statement that has been said, I mean explanation of this hadith, or a point that's connected a nice point connected to it. He said, Allah becomes angry if you leave off asking of Him. Allah becomes angry if you leave off. If you don't ask of Him, Allah becomes angry. Whereas the sons of Adam, the people, when you ask them, they become, they become angry. And the people are the opposite. So how free is Allah from that? Allah, if you don't ask Him, He becomes angry with you. As for the people, you, go, you ask, you're in a need, you ask them, well, they become angry, Get, go away from me, leave me alone, don't ask me, go away. As for Allah, he becomes angry if you don't ask him. Rather, he's commanded us that we ask and make dua. And we'll leave the next point until next time, inshallah. Any points of clarification? third way, the hadith reported about Tirmidhi from the different companions, the third way in which Allah may be answering, obviously if a person can't see in front of his eyes, he can't see the du'a being answered, obviously it could be the first case, he needs to look, is it one of the first cases, am I doing something which is stopping my du'a being answered? Then if not, then maybe it's the second case, maybe it is being answered but you don't know. So either that Allah is going to give it to you, if you just that you need to have some, some patience for a short time. Or later on you get it. Maybe even in the next life you get it instead. You get it with something far better. You get a pile of reward instead of what, the measly thing that you ask for. Allah grant me such and such from this dunya. And maybe Allah give you something from the hereafter that will last forever. Allahu Alam. Or the third way that Allah keeps away evil of its like. I mean, what you ask for something, whatever you ask for, that you don't get the actual thing. Maybe you don't need that thing. Instead of it, that there's, a, there's an amount of evil that's going to come and hit you, some certain trial or tribulation or something, or your wealth is going to be struck by, to a certain degree, so you lose a certain amount of wealth or the like. Because of your du'a for something else, Allah doesn't give you that thing, He, he keeps that evil away from you, that evil doesn't hit you. You don't, you don't suffer that loss because of your making du'a. And it's a point in case someone, someone sometimes misunderstands as well, 
that dua itself is from Allah's pre-decree. The dua is from pre-decree as well. It's pre-decreed that so-and-so would make dua, and therefore as a result of his dua, he will get such and such. And that another person, so-and-so, it was decreed that he was not going to make dua, and so therefore he will not get such and such. That's part of pre-decree. So it shows the foolishness of those people who say, like the, the, the argument the Sheikh of Awzan uh, refuted here, like the like of the Sufis who say, What's the, we, don't make du- we don't make du'a. Allah knows what we need. Uh, you know, we don't need to make du'a. Why should, why should we show, you know, try and make out and inform Allah of what he, what he already knows? Rather, he'll, he'll grant us. And they, they say, if it's already written for us, we'll get it anyway. So we don't need to make du'a. This is, shows foolishness of that fact. Allah has decreed that certain people will make du'a as he commanded them to make du'a he commanded us to make du'a and he decreed that certain people would make du'a and he decreed that as a result of their du'a they would get such and such and he also decreed there would be certain foolish people who take that foolish argument and say there's no need to make du'a and so therefore as a result of the foolishness they don't get such and such and such and such Allahu A'lam As for the hadith that Allah man la yas'alullah yaghdabu alayhi Allah does the, the hadith that whoever does not ask of Allah whoever does not make request of Allah then Allah becomes angry with him hadith reported by Ahmad and Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah and Al-Hakim Shaykh Al-Bani said about the hadith it is Hassan, it is good hadith. Was the point clear with regard to the two types I mean the two types of worship, the two types of dua, the common type of dua, the dua of masala, the dua of asking, and dua which is present in an act of worship itself. Is that clear? It wouldn't be if you missed it out. There wouldn't be any. Yeah, the point about the prayer with regard to the salat, then the prayer it covers both types of asking. Yeah, I mean the prayer itself. As soon as a person with with correct intention, a person upon tawheed, stands up at the correct time with the correct intention, stands up in the correct way to pray to Allah, being upon tawheed, not being upon shirk, he stands and says the takbir of the prayer. He's in the prayer. That prayer itself is du'a, the uh, du'a ibadah. It's an act of worship by which you're intending, in performing that, you're intending of the obligation upon you, and you're intending, you're seeking that Allah should give, give you reward for it. Yeah, but by the whole prayer, everything in the prayer, saying Allahu Akbar, everything within the prayer, you're intending as an act of worship. They're saying everything within the prayer, you're intending by that. That Allah should reward you and take you further away from the fire. So the prayer itself, the whole prayer itself, is a request. It's a request from Allah to reward you, and to and it's a, it's a request that He should, you know, take you further, to take you further away from the fire. So the whole prayer itself is is that first type, the du'a or ibad, an act of worship by which you're intending something, you're intending a request to Allah. And then within it, there is a second type, 
the, the actual direct question, asking direct Allah directly by words in the second half of Surah Al-Fatiha, your aid we ask, that's a, we're making the point that we ask your aid, guide us, you're asking Allah, guide us upon the straight way. So that is a direct request to Allah, you're asking for that. And then likewise between the two sajdas, that is a request you're making to Allah, oh Allah forgive me, oh Allah forgive me. And it's also an act of worship which you get reward for. So it covers both, Allah and so on. I mean, the difference, obviously, both both of the, both of them have the action of the heart. They're based on action of the heart. Both of them, but one of them is a direct request. A, word, a verbal request is there. Rabbi ghfirli, Rabbi ghfirli, directly asking by words, "Oh Allah, forgive me." Yeah? And then the other one is an action by your very action, by the fact that you're standing up, or by the fact that you're going to Hajj. You're moving. You're walking from Mina to Arafah. You're walking from here to there. All that walking, all that, you know, whatever you're doing, that sacrifice which you do with your hand, involved in that is the, is the hope and the request from Allah that He'll give you reward for it. With regard to the question, what is considered breaking ties with kin, ties of kinship? Allah and beyond obviously cutting off cutting off with your relations not keeping up relation with your with your with your relations everything that's, that's well known as this time breaking ties of kinship cutting off from your from your your parents or your children or your brothers or your whoever your kin kin and relations are you don't speak to them you don't live with them in a, in a, you know you cut off from them you don't have relations with them if they're further away you, you never phone them you never get in touch with them you never bother about them Beyond that, Allah, beyond that.